Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners. And all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and also highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. All right, so I'm really excited to share today's interview. I interviewed Rose, who is a 33-year-old grant writer in Moorhead, Minnesota. She works about 40 hours a week, and she has a couple of hobbies, such as working as a pole dance instructor, which is super cool, and she likes to knit and loves the show Lucifer. She shares her best tips for cooking for one, and one of them I will just tease a little bit because it's a fun story, but also super relatable, is to get to know your neighbors just in case you injure yourself cooking or you choke. She also shared the tip to add chili sauce, Tabasco, um, when your recipes don't turn out. That way it makes them more edible and, you know, can preserve some of those recipes that are not throwaway worthy, you know, but the ones that you might not want to eat as is. And then also she shared her idea to get a grasp of cooking the basics so that you can get creative. I chatted with Julie in episode, I think five or six, I didn't number those ones, but the episode entitled, What Do I Do If I Don't Know How to Cook? And there's a link for that in the show notes. She also talked about recipes to have in your back pocket, recipes that you can add those veggies to that are all sitting in your fridge. And those would be omelets, dragon noodles, and then okonomiyaki, which you can hear me pronounce a couple times. Her favorite recipe resources are Budget Bites, which she shared a recipe that she loves from that that I'm going to have to make for sure. And then also Alton Brown's Good Eats. And then a couple of take-home points that I got from this episode were, were ones we kind of talked about for cooking for one tips. Find a couple basic recipes to have. Use what you have on hand. There's no need to buy all those special ingredients for one recipe. And here we go into the interview. All right. Hi, Rose. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Rebecca. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you. So let's just dive right in. Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to eat as you were growing up. Um, it was military food. I mean, my family grew up, you know, moving from one Navy base to another. So it was the, the budget was fairly slim as it is for most military families. Um, but I learned to love tofu because oddly enough, that was the, the cheapest protein available. So we got lots of tofu and things as a kid. And then I grew up and discovered that that's considered yuppie food that nobody likes. I was like, what? But it's tofu. It's like chicken, but not. That's normal for you. Yeah. That's funny. Did you live any anywhere outside of the U.S.? I didn't while I was growing up. We did okay. a lot of moving around within the U.S., but we never got to go abroad. Okay. Okay, cool. Any, any eating habits or cooking methods outside of using tofu that you continue to, to do that you grew up um, eating? Um, I think the most consistent thing in my family's kitchen has been cast iron because my mom's family, um, she's got a, a good Danish strain and the, the tradition of able skeevers has come down through her. So like when all of us kids got launched out into the world, our parents made sure we went out with a cast iron able skeever pan because you can't be a Haddon and not 
have an able ski for pan. Oh, you know, this is not my first podcast guest where we've talked about able skivers, surprisingly enough. Wait, I'm not quite sure why they're so compelling, but they just are. I don't know. And either. then my dad um, did his Mormon missionary service in Argentina and came home from that with a cast iron waffle iron that he makes waffles in faithfully on Saturday mornings to this day. And my goodness, that thing is so is so old and battered, but it's cast iron, so it just keeps going. Wow. Yeah, I bet those are really good waffles, but my first thought when you said that was, he carried that back from Argentina? Yes, he did. Wow, that would have, I mean, that would have hit the, that's probably like 10 pounds, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a monster. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, so funny story, I had a a friend that I, well, a friend of mine is a chef. And so she made Abel Skeevers at a hotel, um, buffet. Mm -hmm. And so she had, uh, a cast iron Abel Skeever like pan. And then at that time I, well, okay. I'm telling the story backwards. So I had a roommate who's from Denmark. And so we made Abel Skeevers one time and I got this pan from my friend, which was cast iron. And then my mm -hmm. mom also got me a pan for Christmas. And so we made a bunch of, um, able skivers one day and they're not that hard to make and they're really good. And it's kind of a fun, different way to eat pancakes. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're, they're just a blast to make. They're so satisfying to just scooch around and see them become spherical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you, you know, I mean, if you're making them by yourself, it can be relaxing, but it can be a fun way to prepare food with other people and chat and kind of enjoy the preparation time too. If this um, is very true, if that's an option for you, which is fun. Oh, neat. So yeah, it's fun to hear about people's cooking and food, um, like family histories. There's so much tied up with, with that. And I think that's really cool. So yeah. my next question for you is, do you like to cook? I do. I really enjoy cooking. I, I like most things that allow me to create something useful with my own two hands and a little bit of know-how. <laughs> so, like so learning to cook has really been, you know, it's a hit and miss process for all of us, but it's been really satisfying and a lot of fun and I enjoy doing it. And when I have the chance to feed other people, I like doing that too. Yeah. How, so did you learn to cook from your parents growing up or are there other ways that you learned how to cook? Um, partially from my parents. My mom taught me how to make a roux when I was, you know, six or seven. Like this is the base of all gravies and all cheese sauces. You will, you can function as an adult if you can make a roux. There you go. Um, but I also did a couple of summers working in the kitchens at Concordia Language Villages, which are these language and culture immersion summer camps. And so all of the food is, is culturally targeted depending on the language that they're teaching. Um, so I spent a couple of summers and I learned things like not only, you know, your basic food safety, but knife skills and the chemistry of salad dressings and all of these really handy skills that have been so useful in basic adult life. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times, because again, this friend that is a chef that I borrowed her cast iron skillet, or her, not mm -hmm. her skillet, but her Ebel Skiver pan her from. Her Skiver pan. Yeah, you know, we were talking, because she, she teaches these basic cooking um, classes, and so she was she was talking about, you know, I mean, teaching them to these people who have been cooking their whole lives, but a lot of times, you know, we learn how to make certain dishes as opposed to knowing 
all of the basic skills that go into making those dishes. And Mm -hmm. and there seems to be a a big disconnect there, which, you know, I mean, we cook to be able to make recipes. So I get that. But having those basic skills sure makes it a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable, I think. Yeah. You, once you understand the, the underlying principles, then you can muck around with things and have a fairly good idea of what the result is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, um, tell me a little bit about the, what you learned in more specifics or what you made while you were, while you were there in the kitchen. Um, I, well, I ended up kind of getting press ganged into the role of the baker for a week. Oh, really? That was exciting. Yeah, we um, we were short a baker, and I, was, I wasn't signed on for the kitchen that summer. I was a counselor. I was working with the kids. And my oh. dean said, hey, could you do that and also bake all night? I was like, sure, of course, because I don't know how to say no to people. Um, <laughs> and so I was with the kids all day and in the bakery by myself all night in oh. this, like, unseasonably cold, wet, stormy week in early June oh. um, as I'm like, and I got a basic grasp on baking from my mom, but industrial scale baking is another monster. Oh, it's a whole Particularly other thing. When, yeah. And it's, you know, baguettes for two or three meals of every day for this population of a hundred people. Um, and the dough wouldn't rise because it was just too cold. Oh no. Oh, In that no. poor kitchen. Oh gosh, what a week of it. And yeah. we only had three racks for the oven, so I had to do these things in batches, you know, three racks of baguettes, bake them, take them out, put the other three in. It was it was a strenuous week. And then <laughs> we, we got a baker. She she got up there and took over, thank goodness. Oh, good. And a week or so later, I was in the kitchen for something else um, as dinner was getting served. And uh, Laurent, the head chef, said, hey, we've got to get all this chicken in, so get those extra racks out and put them in the oven. And I said, excuse me? the extra racks for the oven. Oh, because you didn't. Oh no. I I still haven't forgiven him. (laughs) It's only been 15 years. It's just been nothing at all. Oh no. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I I feel like those experiences when we're just thrown into the fire, you learn so much, but you would never Mm -hmm. want to repeat them. (laughs) Yeah. But, oh, goodness, I, I, and I had so much fun with that. I learned to, I got a bunch of leftover oatmeal for one breakfast and made it into these beautiful loaves of oatmeal bread. Uh-huh. And, you know, the baguettes day in and day out, you get good at those. And I got to pull off fun cakes and things. And I learned a lot. It was a baptism by fire, but I learned a lot of just how to handle dough and how to get it to rise and how to, you know, get a feel for a particular oven. Wow. Yeah. Those are good skills to have. So do you, do you use any of the skills that you learned? That's a loaded question, but do you specifically use anything that you learned there in your cooking journey Um, now? (laughs) I actually don't do much baking for myself, but I use so much of the stuff that I learned in those kitchens because Laurent, the head chef who, you know, forgot to tell me about the oven racks did teach me how to use a knife, you know, to keep the tip of the knife on the board and to keep my fingers tucked in. So I've got the side of the blade resting against my knuckles Mm -hmm. so that if I slip with the knife, it's going to hit straight into bone and not straight into muscle. Yeah. Which is Um, awkward. I'm still, I'm still getting used to doing that. What was that? Um, It's an awkward grip, but it's, it's so much safer. And since I am living alone and I don't have anybody to drive me to the hospital, (laughs) cut my finger off. It's an important consideration. You know, it's so funny because I, so I've sent out surveys to people and, 
you know, I mean, the, the respondents are people who are cooking for one and a lot of them live alone. And that was Mm -hmm. one response. I'm trying to remember what the question was, but the answers were like, I, or what's the, one of the biggest barriers or, you know, difficult parts of cooking for one. And they're like, what if I choke? There's nobody there to save me if I choke or if I injure myself, what do I do? (laughs) We don't talk about that. (laughs) No, it's a major worry, though. When I first moved up here to Minnesota and was living by myself and was making some food in my own kitchen for myself and I was chopping up a carrot and I realized if this knife slips, I I don't know who I would call. I don't know where the nearest emergency room is. I would have to Google that while, like, holding my bleeding finger in my <laughs> armpit. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, geez, I guess that's the time where you hope that you know your neighbors well and can trust them, or at least trust them to get you to the hospital when you mm-hmm. need to go. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about Cooking for One. Is there anything about Cooking for One that you enjoy or have learned to enjoy? I really like the lack of pressure. I really like that if something goes horribly wrong, there's nobody but me to be crabby about it. (laughs) It's so true. What do you, have you found, okay, so it sounds to me like you're pretty creative in the kitchen and learn, know how to problem solve. Have you found any, anything that's helpful to like, you know, help resurrect, I guess, some of those foods that didn't start out so good? (laughs) Um, well, Tabasco covers a multitude of sins. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Okay. Tabasco is great stuff. Um, any, anything made with flour can be made into bread pudding. Um, So true. Leftover bread, leftover able skeevers, leftover pancakes, tear it up, throw it in with the milk and eggs and make it into bread pudding and it will be wonderful. That sounds good. Yeah. Oh, those are great ideas. Do you have any other ways that you like repurpose meals, which it sounds like you do? Hmm. I'm, I think, well, there are a couple of recipes that I've got floating around in my head mm-hmm. that are, are wonderful repositories of leftover bits of stuff. Okay. So, so- I'm a huge fan. Of, I'm a huge fan of omelets. Yeah. Like if you've got if you've got omelets consistently going, if you've got an omelet habit, then you know the half an onion that didn't get called for in your recipe, chop it up and throw it in a Ziploc bag in your fridge and put it in your omelet in the morning for a week. It's great for those those recipes that are like, well, and and half a green pepper, and what am I supposed to do with the rest of the green pepper? Um, so omelets are great for that. Uh, Dragon noodles, which is a recipe off of BudgetBites.com, is wonderful. That's a great, simple recipe, nice spicy sauce, and you can just pitch anything in there. And also okonomiyaki, which are Japanese cabbage pancakes, are great for leftover bits of meat or a steak that didn't turn out particularly well. Chop it into bits and throw it in okonomiyaki. Mm-hmm. Those are such great ideas, and I think I think that's I think it's so good on so many levels because a lot of time or so myself included, when I'm talking to people who are cooking for one, one of the biggest issues or concerns that we all have is what do you do with the rest of the whatever ingredient? You know, you you make enough for one, maybe two, so you can have leftovers. And then you've got, you know, like celery, for example, you cannot use a whole what do you like a whole thing of celery that you would buy? And this is a really great way to be able to use up because celery is great with noodles. I think it's so easy. I like it warm. 
some people don't, but that's, you know, then you could use it in other things. But to have a couple of these recipes in your back pocket where you can just throw the kitchen sink in, it's just mm -hmm. so fantastic to help, you know, save you money, reduce food waste, to force you to get creative. Um, those are awesome. Thanks for yeah. sharing those. That's great. And okonomiyaki is how you say that pancake? Uh-huh. Awesome. So my family was in Japan just a couple months ago, and we ate those in, um, oh, on the spot. I can't think of anything. But anyways, we ate those there, and it's fun to watch them make them. So, so yeah, it's a good way to use up cabbage in particular because that's something that I have a hard time using up completely. Yeah, it's one of those things that comes in inconveniently large units. Ah, yeah. That whole cabbage. Like, what do you do and, with that? Yeah, and my grocery store will not sell me one carrot. They will sell me a giant bag of carrots, or they will sell me a bunch of carrots with the tops still on. But if you just want one carrot, they will look at you like you're crazy. Really? <sighs> yeah. Huh. Are th so, yeah, I think there's a couple grocery stores near me where they have bulk They've got a couple of vegetables in bulk, like carrots, Brussels sprouts, um, I think potatoes, even the small ones mm -hmm. you can buy as much as you need. But that, that can be difficult. And I mean, carrots do last longer than a lot of other vegetables, but a lot of times mine gets slimy. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I've gotten I into the habit, habit of just chopping whatever's left and throwing it into the freezer. Yeah, um, which is, and it, you know, I mean... At least for me, unless it's a salad, I'm going to cook a lot of my vegetables. And so that's an yeah. easy way to deal with that. So, yeah. So throwing extra ingredients into, you said, omelets, uh, dragon noodles, and then the okonomiyaki. Is that how you say mm -hmm. it? <laughs> okay, good. I think so. Japanese isn't one of my languages, but I learned the recipe from a dear friend who was dean of the Japanese camp for many years. And so she's kind and of the pro. And that's what she called it. I think I trust yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned it from her. So if any bad pronunciation is my fault, not hers. <laughs> and mine too, if, if, if it's coming out of my mouth. So yeah, those are fantastic and a little bit unique and fun ways to, you know, to use up those ingredients. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing those. Let's talk a little bit about normal, like normal things that you eat during the week. So you talked about omelets. You usually do those for breakfast, I think think mm -hmm. you said what else do you usually eat is there any consistency there um well I eat a lot of beef okay because I have a friend who raises beef cattle mm. and so I buy from her by the eighth which means I always have a giant stockpile of beef that I'm working my way through which means that you always have it on hand if you don't yeah. have other <laughs> other types of meat oh that's great yeah. and it just tastes so much better huh Mm -hmm. And it's, it's cool to know that I'm supporting a friend and the local economy and, you know, sustainable ethical agriculture and all that stuff, but also it's just really good stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really tasty. Yeah. It's nice when all of those kind of come converge. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm really lucky to be living up here in the Red River Valley where it's just, you know, this haven of agriculture and we've got such a fantastic growing season in the summer and everything's so delicious. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, we were talking before this and you live near Fargo, North Dakota. And I was saying that I was there in the fall last year and I noticed that too. I was like, Oh, I could live here for the, for the agriculture there. I think it's, I mm -hmm. think that's such a, a special thing um, because eating food that's grown out of the ground and you don't have to pick it so early. It, it's just, it's something else. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. So I just have a couple other questions that I would like to go. We've had this great conversation and we're almost out of time, but do you have any favorite cooking or meal hacks that you haven't shared yet? You have shared a lot so far. Um, my favorite hack, and I just discovered this, um, is how to cook a flippin' steak without a grill. Okay. Tell me. I'm excited. Okay. This, this is a story. Hang on to your hat. Okay. Um, so I've, cause I've got this, this beef share in my fridge, which includes a lot of beautiful, beautiful steaks. Yeah. Um, you want to do those, I, you want to do right to those steaks. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not blessed with knowledge of how to do this because my father, bless his heart, thinks he knows how to cook steak and does not. Oh, um, okay. So, but I don't own a grill. Like it's a huge piece of equipment, a propane grill to try and house in an apartment, um, and it's a huge financial outlay when you're just starting out. So no yeah, grill. No. So I did all of this research of like, how do we, how do we do a steak on stovetop and oven? How do we reverse sear a steak? Um, did so much research, try, gave it an attempt and produced so much smoke that I set off the main smoke alarm in my building, Oh no! evacuated the entire building and got to meet all my neighbors while we stood around in the parking lot waiting for the fire department to show <laughs> up to turn the alarm off. And that's how you find somebody to take you to the hospital yes, when you cut indeed, your finger. Clearly, you're, you're the sort of person that's going to need that. <laughs> um, so that was attempt number one. Attempt number two was about six months later when I worked up the nerve and I'd actually acquired a proper cast iron skillet. Oh, okay. um, and I thought, that must be the problem. This will be it. We'll do it in cast iron, good proper cast iron, and it'll be fine. Um, it, it worked too well, and I ended up heating the frying pan far beyond the temperature that had been called for or expected. And so when I put the steak in the pan, the whole thing just burst into flames, um, oh, no. just like three foot high flames. So I had to, you know, stifle that with another frying pan and then take the whole scorching hot pan out onto the balcony. And this is, you know, North Dakota in the winter, Minnesota in the winter. Um, so it's, you know, negative 15 outside. Uh, and I spent some time like using the hot frying pan to melt the ice off the balcony until I'm sure that it's safe to set down, oh, you know, geez. set fire to the balcony. <laughs> but no, attempt number three was a couple of weeks ago because I got at the Minnesota State Fair, I bought a kitchen gizmo from a huckster, which I had been carefully trained never to do. I yeah. gave into temptation. <laughs> um, and it's what I got was this little grill that sits on your stove burner, on your electric or your ceramic or your gas burner. It sits over, and the grill itself is round and convex, such that grease from your meat drips out through splits on the edge of the grill and down into a, a catch tray that's got water in there. Oh, wow. So the water holds the temperature of the fat so it doesn't ever get up to its smoke point. And so like I put the put the grill on the stovetop and let it heat up and then put the steak on there and the steak just lay there and cooked. That is it was a miracle. so cool. I have never so, seen yeah. or heard of anything like that. It was, it, uh, it sent me back 35 bucks and suddenly I can cook a steak. It's amazing. Well, and the thing too, I mean, if it acts like a grill, which it sounds like it does, you don't, you mm -hmm. can cook so much more than just a steak. It's like oh, a yeah. $35 I've been, I've been, grill. <laughs> yes. That's effectively what it is. And it's great for cooking enough for one person. So I've got a steak on there. I've got some asparagus on there, got, you know, whatever leftover vegetable mm -hmm. and just let it grill up and toss it on a plate and eat it. It's been wonderful. What a great idea. I'll have to look into that. That's super cool. Thanks for sharing.
That's yeah, awesome. it was such a discovery. I'm so excited. <laughs> Third time's a charm. When does that ever happen? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. So I want to talk a little bit about cooking. So you are creative and you enjoy cooking. Is there something like, do you listen to music or podcasts or anything while you cook? Or is it quiet time? Tell me a little bit about that. I'm an audiobook girl. I really like uh, having a book going while I'm cooking. That's great. Um, what do you listen to? I was a boring. Uh-huh. What am I listening to now? Um, I just finished a book that was a survey of like great plagues throughout history and the cultural ramifications thereof. Um, but also, you know, a fair amount of, you know, silly romance novels and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the, the book on the plagues, that's, I can't think of anything better to listen to while you're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. I think that's so fascinating. I like when they are, I like when books are able to like combine the societal, like, you know, everything. How do you say that? You know what I mean? Societal changes and all of yeah. I don't know. And, yeah. and I was a voracious reader as a kid. And now that I'm an adult and have so much that needs to get done, you know, I've got to cook my food and wash my dishes and wash my clothes and vacuum my floors and generally keep my life going. Mm -hmm. And audiobooks have really stepped up to like, let me keep feeding that, that bookworm habit that I've had from childhood while also functioning as an adult. Yeah, it's such a good and I think at least for me, if I'm doing something that doesn't require much attention, having something to listen to, whether it's a, like a podcast or a book, it, it allows me to focus more on the book and I get a lot more out of it and really enjoy it. Yeah. That's great. Well, this was so fun chatting. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, any, any struggles that you've been able to learn how to, uh, help like fix, I guess, or anything else that you wanted to, to talk about? Um, I will, I can give you a, the quick rundown of the basic chemistry of salad dressing, which has served me incredibly well. Oh yeah. Um, I love that. Fantastic. Okay. Salad dressing is fundamentally an oil and an acid. And you can also put in an emulsifier if you would like. And within these three elements, you can create freaking anything you want. So all of any kind of vinegar is an option. Any kind of citrus juice is an option for your acid. There are all kinds of different oil out there in the world. And lots of things work really well as emulsifiers. You know, um, mustard is a really common one, but also jams, fruit jams, or um, chili pepper paste. Korean chili pepper paste is great. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's so much fun to be able to just like open your cupboard and be like, okay, today we're going to go with, um, let's try the champagne vinegar. And that's a little tart, so we'll match it with this rhubarb jam that I got sitting in the fridge. And we'll go with uh, the olive oil, just kind of balance it out and throw it in there and toss it on spinach, and it's delicious. That is so cool. I never, ever would have thought of adding jam to a dressing, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good way to use up jam because sometimes you buy it and it seems exciting and then you get bored with it or... Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit of a unique flavor that you don't want to have with peanut butter or something. Then, yeah, that peanut way. butter also a good emulsifier. Throw that in there with some with yeah. peanut oil and like a sesame. Here we go: peanut butter, sesame oil. What would you want to use for an acid? 
maybe Ooh. lemon juice or lemon juice um, would work or rice wine vinegar because you would I would think of yeah. that being more of an Asian type like a peanut mm. sauce, right? Yeah, I got to try that. That sounds that's really good. Sitting in my fridge that needs eating up. Yeah, there you go. Well, and that's the thing too. I think so. It sounds to me like you you kind of use what you have on hand to inspire you to make whatever it is that you're going to make. Is that, yeah. am I guessing correctly? I, I, like, I like using what I have on hand. I like, um, I don't like collecting stuff in my kitchen. I don't like having a stockpile of like 15 different bottles of vinegar that I use for one particular thing and I'm never going to use again. I Same. like to use up what I've got. Yeah. And I think especially if you're cooking for one, probably if you're living alone or have roommates, you don't have much space in the kitchen. So I think that's a good, that's a good way to live for a lot of us. So that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for chatting today. It was, it was fun and it's, you're making me hungry. I want to go try. I want to make apple skewers. I want to make the coat. Shoot, Okonomiyaki is that? Is mm-hmm. that how you say it? Okay, maybe someday I'll remember that. And all of the things that you talked about, it all sounds so good. Yeah, well, it's been so much fun chatting with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too. You've been listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. Continue the conversation over in the Table for One Facebook group. Find recipes or work with me over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or actually, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram at nourishnutrico. And you can click the link in my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.